All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. We're happy that you're here. We're happy that you're ready to start learning. Before we dive into this episode, you know, we got to talk about a few companies that help make this possible and some of the companies that we back personally because we believe in them. Now, first up is HuntWise. There's a lot of mapping software and apps out there, and the best one that we think is is definitely HuntWise. I mean, they've got so many cool features that some of the other ones don't have, especially this HuntCast that we use every single time before we go out in the woods. Our, I mean, our time is precious. we got to know when's the best time to go out. And instead of searching around on all the, the weather sites and checking out all the details, you can go right to the HuntWise app, put it in your location, and you're getting local wind, local predictions based on where your stands actually are, and it helps you actually choose the best stand so you're not wasting any time and you can get right in there and hunt that buck you're after. Go visit HuntWise.com. So James and I have shot different bows from different manufacturers, and we all, every time we shoot them, we always go back to primes the reason is they're just so shootable and we're just so accurate with them they're super stable and they just came out with the new revix 2 4 and 6 is their brand new bow for 2023 hunting season g5prime.com there's been a lot of hype around tree saddles and some of you might be hesitant to even try one these things are awesome if you ever wanted to try one trophy line tree saddles make the best saddles in the industry they're super comfortable they're adjustable and the new Venatic saddle we were able to get our hands on it a couple months ago and it just seriously blew us away so if you want to get into the saddle game go over to trophyline.com you can save yourself 10% use the code TFC10 get into the saddle game it's going to change the way you hunt James and I like to go tromp around on public land and one way we're able to do that is to have good footwear uh, we used to lug around in, in rubber boots and by the end of the day we'd have sore feet and it'd be it'd be a mess but we finally decided to get some good boots and partnered with Lathrop and Sons. These boots are so nice. They fit your foot perfectly. They've got Synergy foot pads that are made to you know, form around your foot. These guys take the time. There's years and years of research and design and how to create the most comfortable boot. Go check out Lathrop and Sons. Last but not least, Vortex Optics. These guys have some of the best glass in the industry. Binoculars, rangefinders, spotter scopes. We love them. We've got it on our rifles. We use our rangefinder all the time. They also make clothing lines every quarter. James and I are practically wearing a piece of Vortex apparel every day. Everything is high quality. They come out with new items usually every quarter. So spring, summer, winter, fall, they've got new lines and new clothing coming out. Check this stuff out. And if you want to save yourself 20%, head over to Vortex.com, head to the apparel page, and save 20% with TFC20. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase podcast. Um, it, we're continuing our series and getting right for uh, for deer season, which has been fun. And it's, you know, some of it's basic stuff, some of it's more in depth, but um, it's great. It's kind of helpful for us, Jared and I and, and Joe here, um, as we just kind of think through getting ready for, for deer season. Um, so last week, uh, we had talked about getting your archery gear right. This week, we wanted to dive, well, we wanted to get kind of more specific about archery gear. Um, that's obviously, I mean, there's all types of deer hunting you can do, but a lot of it's archery season. And for us, it's like most of the, the deer hunting we do is, is with a bow. So this week, um, well, let me dial it back. Last week, Dave here and I met for the first time. Uh, didn't know each other, really. We'd been texting for a while um, and, and got to talking. And Dave is a, um, a broadhead I guess you could say you're kind of an expert at this point. You know, why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll we'll kind of jump into things. 
Yeah. So Dave Bukemont, um, co-owner of Razor Broadheads. I, my buddy's uh, name is Shane and we both own it together and we're going to do our second full season this year. Um, so I guess expert is in the eye of the of beholder. So we'll see, we'll let people make their own decision at the end of this interview, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You spend your, a lot of time with Broadheads. We'll say that, yeah. which, yeah. you know, um, may or may not make you an expert. So like I said, last, last week, we, we talked a lot about, you know, archery stuff, but now it's like, all right, one really important part of archery bow hunting is the, the tip that you have on your, your arrow. Um, you know, uh, and so we get a lot of questions about what we use or what we like and what you should do and what's a single bevel, what's a, all these crazy things that are just all encompassing. So we thought we'll do a, a quick podcast here to, to cover some of these things. So Dave, if you don't mind, I'm just going to jump right in and, and, feel free to, you know, take this conversation where you think it should go. You, you, you talk to people about this more than I do. Um, so uh, I'm just going to jump right in. So Dave, like when we're talking broadheads, um, people obviously who hunt or maybe not, they have a certain image of what that, what a broadhead is in mind. What is a broadhead? What, what are the different types? Tell me a little bit about what that is. Well, when it comes to hunting, I mean, the broadhead obviously is the thing that does the killing right? Um, I love different bow manufacturers. I love all kinds of different arrows, but to me, you got to get that broadhead part right because that's ultimately the part that is going to do the killing. Yeah, you got to hit your spot, of course, right? But it's it's very important decision. Um, is there an end-all be-all when it comes to broadheads? I really don't believe that there is. I think it depends on the situation. Do I think razors obviously have some advantages over others? Of course, or else they won't be doing this, but essentially your options come down to fixed cut on contact or mechanical right so the ones that basically you can screw on the night before a season and pretty confident they're going to shoot the same way as what your field tips did the day before so those are your mechanicals i bet everybody listening to this has probably shot those including myself and then yeah. when it comes to fixed yeah you have your single bevel which is what a razor is and then a double bevel and really the only difference between those is a single bevel is actually going to twist as it goes through the animal why did why does it twist what's the bevel how does that work yep so if you and you saw these last week josh but essentially it's only uh beveled on one side versus both so when it comes to that edge when it goes through a medium it just naturally twists and it actually creates a deeper wound channel while it's twisting yeah. but the other thing is it's actually penetration you know it's easier to twist through a given medium than it is to push so while it's twisting whether it be flesh, obviously, but in particularly bone, it's going to have a greater likelihood of, uh, of going through it. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, just to even rewind the difference between something like archery and rifle hunting, for example, is the way that you ultimately kind of kill what you're trying to kill because a rifle is a lot of it is just contact, right? It's like a blunt force, uh, kill. And like, sometimes you'll shoot, shoot a deer with certain calibers and like literally the the force of the bullet will just kill them right there archery on the other hand is different um archery is you're you're opening a deer up with a, almost like a scalpel right and you're you're slicing something to make it bleed and, and it's a it's a death by bleeding am i getting that right yeah i mean i guess you're trying to create as much trauma as possible yeah and so you're right i mean there's there's fixed there's expandables you know i've most i've I've shot both. I've on going into this year. I think I've I'm probably leaning towards fixed to try this year. Um, and um, 
but again, I, I've like for years, I've loved the, uh, the expandables. So it's, they all have benefits. They all have drawbacks. Um, but prior to even getting into that, Dave, like what are some mistakes people make when they're picking broadheads or, you know, what, what are like some misconceptions they might have when, when it comes to like selecting what to put on the tip of their arrow? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, price is a concern for everybody, of course, right? You got to take that into account. What game you're you're going after, what distance are your shots typically going to be for? Um, what experiences have you had in the past with a particular broadhead you're using, right? Have you had mechanical failures? Have you hit shoulders and not penetrated and lost deer? I mean, there's so many things you can take into account. And that's why I say there's no uh, broadhead that's going to be perfect for everybody in every given scenario. It's all going to be independent of, again, the species, the terrain, and your history with particular heads you've shot. Yeah. Uh, is there a huge difference when it comes? One thing I hear a lot is like, oh, fixed heads. Like when there's wind, you're going to be way more affected by wind as opposed to a, 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 um, a mechanical, which is, you know, is if anybody knows, it's basically almost like close, like it's almost like nothing, you know, it goes into the, the, the animal and it, it, you know, basically activates these blades that pop out. Um, and so people, one, one thing people say is like, well, wind is a factor when it's really windy, it's best to use a, a mechanical. Is that accurate? So I, I would to say that to a degree that a fixed blade broadhead is going to be more affected by wind than a mechanical, I, I would agree with that because there's more surface area there. Right. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's open the whole time, right? It doesn't have to deploy. So um, to what degree it affected by, I guess, how much wind, you know, it's really kind of hard to say, but to say it has no effect, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. No. Yeah. Well, and on the, on the flip side, and anybody who shot him or, or you know, I got a great story. Uh, so this year I was turkey hunting, uh, called the turkey in. Yeah, I, I kind of do it where I go with no blind. I get, you know, some leafy camo on public land and I just go and call until I strike one up and I hunker down, throw a quick throw a decoy out if I have time. Right. So I did do that. It's this old logging road far out in the woods. You know, it's, it's lit. It's like a, almost a mile just out to get to it it's um it's kind of a cool spot that i found and it's, it's just like kind of magical to hunt turkeys there but anyways i'm i'm all the way out there i'm like oh there's i strike up a gobble and i have a berm almost in front of me and i have my decoys out like on the other side and my thought is maybe they're going to come in over i'll be able to kind of just wait till they're fanned out pop up and you know take a shot well they I mean they came out you can hear them drumming you know they're they're like three yards away from me on the other side of this berm awesome experience I finally get up and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. You know, I, I see, I, I kind of get a clear shot. I'm holding back. I shoot, I even, I put this video on, on our Instagram um, and I hit it a little high, but it hit it funny in a way that the, the broadhead bounced off of this, of a Turkey. It, it opened up funny on its, on its um, feathers. And it like, it didn't even really it didn't draw blood at all. It, it took out a clump of feathers, like the size of a softball. Like it just kind of ate them up, but it, it just, I don't know what happened. So I, I think I had it at a funny angle. It was obviously not like the perfect shot is a weird situation, but I know if I would have had a fixed broad, broadhead, like that does not happen because you don't have premature deployments. And this was, you know, for everybody listening, this wasn't like a mega meat or anything. This was like a really wide, uh, expandable broadhead that I just had. And I was like, I'm going to use it for Turkey. It doesn't matter that much. Yep. And like, it made a huge difference. And eventually that bird went away, like took off and like it hobbled for a minute and was fine. So, you know, 
on the flip side of maybe wind affects um, fixed broadheads more, you run into a, a you know less than perfect shot with a recur or with a recur with an expandable, or you shoot it you know in the shoulder, which is very common. It's a totally different ball game. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting story. And to be honest with you, I probably would have chosen the biggest mechanical broadhead I could find right. for as well, right? I yep. mean, I think there's a three inch cut mechanical out there and. Turkeys aren't that dense of creatures, so the biggest hole you can make in them is probably what I would have chosen. So were you able to find that arrow and inspect it, by the way? Yeah. It literally, it hit it and stopped, bounced off, like it, right off of it. I'm shooting a 70, I think it stopped out at like 73 pounds. Did it look like it had deployed or you couldn't tell? It, it deployed. It like, literally. yeah, like it almost looked like you just, I don't even know how to, it just ate up feathers interesting i think i hit it a little high so it was yeah. like a, a different angle so it kind of jacked it up but i didn't i still hit it in the body you know yeah it wasn't it, fanned you, out even you wouldn't think it mattered for turkeys that you know who knows what happened there but um i i was killing deer when i was shooting mechanical broadheads and I'm, i know people listening to this probably are are too and you don't want to wait for that experience that you had with that turkey to happen on you know a PNY buck or something like that right, right. but the potential is there. So for me, I want to try to eliminate any potential risk that is out there. And to me, a fixed blade cut on contact broadhead it, it is going to best do that for me, right? Yeah. Um, not only from uh, less likely for failure, but these deer move. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, we can probably all sit in our backyards and stroke bullseyes from, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards, but. Um, they jump the string. And even if your shot is true and they move, you want to give yourself the best benefit of penetration and uh, a fixed blades, fixed blades, in my opinion, do that. Yeah. They'll, they'll definitely punch through. And that's why this year. And, and I, you know, just for total transparency for everybody listening, like Dave and I just met, there's not like a sponsor. We're not, this is no promotion thing. Like my broadheads right now are not razors, right? They're just yep. ones I had. Um, and I'll probably have some mechanicals in my quiver as well. Um, the idea is just to help you kind of understand and, and make an informed decision, because like I said, we see a lot of bad, um, bad decisions, um, maybe picking some products. There are products out there that are not good. Um, we won't obviously name some names, but there are some that are just just not high quality. And so when you're thinking through what you put on the end of your arrow, like you said, Dave, it's it's one of the more important things, aspects of hunting. Like, how are you how do you become lethal with with your shot? Um, and so of course there's, you mentioned earlier, there's price as a consideration, right? And price goes into people will often say, well, mechanicals are cheaper. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go that route, which is very true. Like uh, oftentimes mechanicals are cheaper. The flip side of that is you can use fixed blades over and over again. In fact, you know, you were telling me when we met, you shot, was it seven deer, something yep. like that with, with that broadhead. So, which is cool, right? You reuse it. Um, but the question I have for you then, Dave, is like, you're obviously not shooting seven deer without sharpening and touching up and taking care of that broadhead. So, you know, coming, in, coming into the season, maybe you got a, a quiver full of fixed broadheads from the past. Like, what are you doing to, to make sure your broadheads are ready to go? Yeah. So let me touch about cost real quick, too, because mm -hmm. typically fixed blade broadheads are more expensive. If you're talking about razors in particular, right, they're $94.95. Um there's some others in our class that are well over a hundred. So if, you know, if people are thinking that's expensive, um, there's definitely a higher priced ones out there, but to your point, James, yeah, you can just keep on reusing them. So 
your initial upfront costs are going to be more, but then long-term, because you can essentially reuse these and sharpen these back up, it's going to be cheaper, you know, in the long run. But um, for me, obviously, if I harvest something with it, I'm going to obviously sharpen it. If it's during the season and it's sitting in my quiver, even oxidation can dull broadheads. So I think it's a good idea every couple of weeks just to, just to give a simple strop to some of your broadheads and just keep them, keep them sharp. Uh, You're just running that strop along it and just. You can even do it on your, you can actually do it. Um, you can do it with leather, but you can actually just do it with denim. Oh, so I save, yeah, you can do it with denim. So like I save all my old pairs of jeans. And if you just drop that back and forth on that a few times, it's, it's incredible. Cardboard, cardboard, denim, leather. It really doesn't matter. Something a little softer to just kind of take yep. that, that little, what's it What's the little lip that gets on the there? bevel? The, yeah. 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 Or the, um, uh, yeah. not the bevel, uh, the barb or whatever it is like on the, anyways. Oh, the burr, the burr. Yeah. The burr. That's yes. what I'm trying to think of. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. Keep rolling that burr over. Yep. So you're, 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 you're touching them up throughout the year. You're thinking about it. You're keeping them sharp. How do you know if it's sharp enough? Get some paper out and try it, or just, I'll even do with hair on my arm. Either one of those. Just, just make sure you're just doing drag paper. it. Yeah. Yep. And with paper, really any broadhead can cut paper. Even a, a, a non-sharp broadhead is going to cut paper if you push on it hard enough. Right. But you're kind of gauging off resistance and you also want to make sure it's not like grabbing either. You want to make sure it's a clean slice. And if you, if, if you did that with a dull versus a sharp broadhead, you, you would see the difference. Like popping those hairs off pretty Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, um, the other question we get a lot is, uh, so, uh, I, I would shoot, you know, um, it, well, I'll, I'll, I'll frame it this way. A common thought about the difference between fixed and expandables is fixed or expandables because they're so low profile they shoot very similar to uh, a field point. So people can go out, they can throw, be shooting all summer long with their field points, feel pretty good, um, throw a, you know, expandable on the end and kind of feel like for deer hunting, they should be good, right? The, on the flip side, people will say, well, uh, fixed blade are great. They have all these benefits and you can reuse them and all this great stuff, but fixed blades are, you have to, they shoot differently. You have to do something to them. And Tuning fixed blades seems extremely scary to a lot of people. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought this up because I think if people were honest with themselves, and, and I actually was one of these guys right before I started the company, is um, I was a little, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of nervous about how that setup would go, right? Because tuning can take some time. And I was lazy you know, back in the day when I would literally just screw that mechanical on the night before. But here's what I'll say to those people that are considering doing this, that, that are nervous about it. Um, it's really good to be in tune with your equipment and you will gain so much confidence if you learn how to tune your bow a little bit. 90% of this can actually be done at your home without a bow press. Now, if your cams are at a time or something like that, um, you know, you might need to go to your local archery shop and have them put a twist or take a twist out of your string to correct that. But based on how your arrow is tearing through paper, a lot of those adjustments can be done with an Allen wrench with adjusting your rest. Yeah. And then once that's done, um, they should fly. I, I would say out to about 30 yards, identically to your field depth. Now past 30, 
I will tell you, even mine, they will start hitting a little low. But again, right. that goes back to there's a little more surface area with a uh, fixed blade broadhead versus mechanical. So to say they don't fly good um, is not true. Can they fly different than field points? Yes, especially at longer distance. But that is, doesn't mean they're not flying good. It's just a little extra resistance because of that surface area. Yeah, right. Um, so basically, you're saying more often than not, they just drop faster. Yes, that right? correct. But I would say I mean, everyone's different. But mine in particular, out to 30, it's right on. And I want you to deer pass 30 away. Right. You know, that's just my that's just my my sweet spot. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question. But here's oh, yeah. what I'll say about bows that are out of tune. All right. And I would encourage people, even with mechanicals, to do this, obviously. Right. But when it comes to fixed blade broadheads i would say that an out of tune bow it would just magnify it all the more than it would a mechanical yeah that'd be the main difference yeah absolutely and like tune is tune is easy to fix but it it can create problems you know I, i've told you and on the podcast a bunch of issues i had with a bow tune out in alaska you know um yep. but you can oftentimes see uh guys if you're sitting behind somebody who's got an out of tune bow and you watch the flight of the arrow and it's it's sideways, you know, half the way down or whatever. It's, it's obvious to see. And so tune, I mean, like you said, tune will affect broadhead, whatever broadhead you shoot, or you throw wind in, you know, it doesn't correct as fast and it, it will go way off. Um, hugely important. And also I'll say like, yes, often mechanicals will fly similar to field points or maybe a little bit closer but they still will fly differently. And so what I like to do is, you know, for example, I was talking about mega meets. Mega meets are like my go-to uh, feel uh, a broadhead, expandable broadhead. Like I love them. They, they've been tried and true. I've never had any issues with those. What they come with is a, a like a practice tip that's like basically their broadhead, but it's like a, a mold of it or whatever. So you, it doesn't deploy. It goes right at the target. It comes out. I shoot them into block, block targets, bag targets, whatever. Works great. So all, all that to say is just because maybe a company markets itself as shooting similar, like the same as field points, that doesn't mean they actually do. Um, so just a plug to like, like you said, get, know your stuff, know what you're using, get comfortable with it. The more you can know what you have, just, just the better things will go, the better the experience is, the more lethal you'll be, the more ethical. Honestly, you can't, like, it's just not ethical to go out there not having not spent time, you know? working on your stuff, getting to know, honestly, when you called me prior to this podcast, I was shooting my bow down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I was on the phone trying to quick get a few shots. I got done with work. I'm like trying to get a, a, a new hunt kind of going. That's coming up here in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, I, I got to get some shots in. So I'm trying to shoot, talk on the phone and then get to you. But all of it's like, all that to say, it's just like, I want to spend time at, a couple times a week, at least just with my bow, getting to know my setup, you know, for us, Jared, um, Joe and I, we're, we're getting new or trying new things every year, which is cool. But that also means we have to spend like a lot of time. time. Uh, you can't rely on last year's, you know, um, experience when you have a new bow or new arrows or, you know, you've changed something up, which we tend to do every single year. So get to know your stuff. It's so true though, James, you talked about that arrow flight. You can actually see it with the naked eye when you're shooting it. And if you can't yep. have a buddy stand behind you and actually watch, because, you know, even at 300 feet per second, you can see those wobbles. And here's the other thing I'll say, and we've all had this before too, right? You actually hit the bullseye in the target, but your arrow is wonky. It's like, it's off to the side. Yes. So you, you hit your bullseye and you, you think you're good, 
but that's not a tune ball. No, that, it should, that, that knock should be right behind the tip. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know you're in the target. Otherwise you lose so much momentum, so Correct. much force that you, you, you cut out half the power sometimes right. when you hit it sideways. Um, and you're right. Like you, you can easily, I, I, when I shot recurve for a while, I got used to shooting with both eyes open and uh, I picked up a lot of bad habits actually coming back from recurve to uh, compound bow. Like my, my bow hand is, I have a hard time. It just, I held it different before and now I get to switch it back. But one of the great things I learned was to shoot with both eyes open. Uh, and when you do that, you can see your arrow way better. Like you can't, I try sometimes to close my eye if I have a hard time seeing the pin or lights weird. And then I shoot and because I'm not looking and my shots are usually not good because I, I just have found if I watch the arrow go into the target with both eyes, first of all, you get to experience the beauty of arrow flight, which if you've never just done that, it's very addictive, addictive. Um, but also it's like, you can get a great sense of how your arrow flies real easy. Yep. I experimented that one year and I don't know if I wasn't very good at it or didn't give enough long enough try, but uh, I would like to get to that point. Cause I know, I know even at dusk looking through your peep, that is an advantage Yes, with two yes. eyes. Yeah. It, it took me a while because essentially you kind of see two. And so your brain has to get used to like, which one to not pay attention to. And after a while, that one like almost shuts off and you yep. only see one pin for whatever reason. I don't know how that works. Yep. Yeah. No. So you, you're, you're, you're two-year-old company. Um, you're kind of joining, um, you know, an interesting market, right? There's a lot of innovation, a lot of change, you know, forever it was fixed blade then the introduction of expandables and like rage brought rage in the cage type stuff. And now there's almost a push back to um, fixed and there's a lot of different things coming up, bleeders and hybrid uh, broadheads and lots of innovations and trends and so like what are you what are you seeing in the industry like as a whole of like broadheads like what, what's happening right now how does that affect the consumer like how, how should they look at that yeah no it's, it's a great question because you know those of us that have been hunting for a long time and been part of the industry you know even from afar you know you can see there there's evolutions and there's different pendulum swings and things are popular i, I don't know how old you are james but did you ever um, have the overrest when that was popular the or the overdraw where they had these really I short never did I was overrest, I mean you know? I I knew of it but I was like 12 you know yeah. so I couldn't that didn't even really apply to me at that point yeah you know so those were real popular for a while and then it was like speed 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 everything was all about speed well then I think people were starting to learn that they weren't getting penetration from the speed yeah. so now it seems like I would say these last five years or so ish and we'll see yeah. where it goes from here but there's definitely been a push towards heavier setups and yeah. more penetration i ain't gonna lie those 300 feet per second or 320 whatever arrows at the range they look pretty cool going down there i'm pretty jealous of those guys yeah. um but it doesn't necessarily make it makes them more lethal yeah and um so you know when you're looking at razors in particular i mean we have 150 a 200 and a 250 grain option you know for a lot of people those those are those are heavy broadheads yeah. But I'll also tell you whether it's ours or a different brand, it really doesn't matter. They hit like trucks. Yeah. You know, and they're going to put deer down. I've kind of found, I feel like human nature is to swing far one way and far another, right? The pendulum goes back and forth. I found, I mean, there's, there's benefits to both. Like the benefit of the speed is that you, your pin, first of all, your pins are tight, which is sweet because it's just easy. Secondly, it'd be like my 20, my 30 yard, pin would work for my 20 yard 
for 20 yards when I'm shooting a faster bow. And like, sometimes like you would beyond that, like it's, it's really, you don't have to move much, you know, there's a lot less room for error and, 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 you know, it, it just is out to the deer quickly. Um, but to your point, it's a very good point. It's like, you throw some momentum with the right FOC, which everybody listening, that's, uh, wait, FOC is force on or center for front of center. <laughs> yeah. Front of center is basically like you take an arrow, you, you can run your finger around along it see where it balances and how much weight is front of the center. Um, and so all, all that kind of, we, you know what, if you really want to know more, we've done a bunch of podcasts on them with um, method arrows. We did one with ranch Ferry. Like you can, you can go for those who, who are listening and, and check it out. Um, but all that's important. I feel like a good mix of uh, like a good heavy arrow, um, but also one that's got a little bit of speed to get there. That's quiet. I think heavier arrow to me seems quieter, which is nice. Um, is is what I like, and honestly, uh, the other thing that I, I never was a fan of, and some people are, and I can see why, are the um, the vented broadheads. Some some people like them. I have a few in my quiver. I don't like them as much. I feel like they whistle a little bit, and that just yep. bothers me a little bit. So, and they're also going to take up energy as they're going through the animal too, because those those vents are going to you know meat's going to get stuck in there and stuff like that. So I think it limits your penetration. Yeah. Uh, can I go back to one thing on the speed real quick? Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know how great analogy it is, but it's just one I've, I've thought of and one I've, I've used on some other podcasts that I've been on, but, you know, I don't know if you like watching the UFC or boxing, but a lot of the lightweights, right. The shorter mm -hmm. lightweight guys, they are fast as lightning with their hand speed, you know, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. But they rarely knock each other out, right. They, they usually goes the distance and it's going to be a decision on, on who the judges scorecards go to those heavyweights. They ain't punching real fast, but yeah. there's a lot of weight behind what they're throwing. And if those guys breathe on you, you're going down. And I kind yeah. of think that correlates to, to arrows, to, to broadheads, Absolutely. right? It's, it's kind of the same analogy. Yeah. You, you just have more power behind it. My, when I was yep. growing up, my dad would tell me about this fight he had seen um, between, I think they get a sumo wrestler and like a karate guy. And like, he's like fast and everything doing And finally, like the, the sumo guy gets him like once and he's like done, right. um, you know, so that's a kind of how it works when I fight Jared, you know, <laughs> except I'm both speed and I'm power, you know, is that what he would say? He, he wouldn't, but he's not a mean fighter. The thing with Jared is he just was, he's always too nice. Uh, now, Joe, on the other hand, I don't think I'd fight Joe. I think he's both mean. He's just mean, you know, I wouldn't mess with him. Yeah. Uh... So, um, I mean, like, like I said, this is, um, just wanted to, to kind of recap. We, I, I realized in the past, we've kind of brushed over some, some broadhead topics. Uh, and like, like you said, at the beginning of the podcast, Dave, it's like, this is the part that literally enters the animal. It is what it is. The part of the whole equation that actually does the killing. Right. So it, it should take a lot of thought. It should take a lot of consideration to pick the right one. There are a lot of great options out there. A lot of great options honestly in both categories like i said from the very beginning i i shoot both i have both and I, I will be shooting both this year and actually i'll probably grab a different arrow depending on the situation um which maybe some people wouldn't love but it's just what i do um and so take the time like go get some broadheads it's sometimes expensive but shoot them practice with them that was always my fear forever i'd be like you know you spend 90 bucks on a broadheads and like you first go out and man if you're struggling with target panic going in and then you're freaking out about shooting your your new broadheads into the dirt it's only going to get worse and it for sure did for me 
right? But um, do it, like get out there, figure out a way to, to take that away, get a giant target, whatever it is, and, and start practicing. Yeah, I, I, I promised you before we, you know, when we were setting this up, I didn't want to make this a razor commercial and hopefully I've fulfilled my commitment. You did, you did good. That, yeah, but, yeah. You know, just for your listeners, I think just pondering some of these questions, you know, are good. We've got about six weeks before this season opens up here in Michigan, at least, right? Yeah. So there's still time to to tinker with some of these and answer some of these questions, even in your own mind, experiment with a few different things and really make the decision that you think is best for you, you know, in your setup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a, you know, and we'll give opinions all day long, you know, and, and I'm fine with it. And actually, you know, I, I was messing around with these razor broadheads and they are awesome. Like they're so sharp. They come in that little, like you take the gummy wrapper thing off and like I was popping hairs right off as we had coffee right down the road here. So that was, that was cool. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say too, is um, I, I think a fixed blade broadhead, and again, doesn't matter which one it is, if you look at kinetic energy, right? Everyone always trying to measure kinetic energy. And it's very simple. You look at speed and what the weight is, and there's a formula to figure that out, right? But that's that's that impact. So if you yeah. take a mechanical and a fix that weigh the same weight and they're traveling same speed, theoretically, they're going to have yes. the exact same kinetic energy at impact. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that that energy from a fixed blade carries through as it's going through the deer like a fixed blade does. Because when those blades deploy at impact, there's energy loss there. That yeah. energy has to go somewhere. Whereas the fixed blade is going to, yep, it's going to carry it through um, as it passes through. So kinetic energy can be a little deceiving when you're when you're measuring different types of broadheads. Right, because it's like kinetic energy win. Correct. You know, and as most hunters know, like a great entry hole is, you love it. But to me, I'd rather have a, a fantastic exit, right? Because that's where the blood comes out. And if you've that's ever right. shot a deer and it didn't go through, it can be hairy. You know, I, I've I've switched broadheads after shooting a you know deer and having it only go partway through, and it was one I'd shot forever, and it was like, that's enough. I'm not ever doing that again because you find just drops of blood, and it might be bleeding all out in the, the cavity, Internal. but yep, you don't have an exit. I mean, the exit to me is is almost is probably more important than the entrance hole. Yep, I agree. Well, we're coming up on time here, um, but you know, I appreciate taking the time to do this, Dave. Um, and I, I, I know you said you didn't want to make this a commercial for Razor, but like, where can people check it out? I mean, you, you guys have cool stuff. You know, like I said, I, I held the broadheads. I can say for everybody, and like, you're, he's not a sponsor. This is not. He's not paying me under the table to say this. Like, they're they're good stuff. But for for people that want to check it out themselves, um, where can they go? Yep. So you can check us out. Razorbroadheads.com is the website. Uh, Razorbroadheads on Instagram. If you want to send us an email and reach out to us, we communicate with customers on a daily basis. That's at info at Razorbroadheads.com. We're locally based for your Michigan listeners, which I'm sure a lot of us are uh, right here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We're 100% American made and uh, we're, we're very proud of that. But yeah, feel free to reach out to us. And we're happy to communicate with the hunting community. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on, everybody. Check us out next week. We're starting to wrap up this series. Every once in a while, I've, I've changed some of the things as, we, as we've gone, topics and stuff that have come up or that I really wanted to talk about. So next week is should be scouting, but you know, you never know if I come up with another idea between now and then. So just you know, roll with the punches. It'll be all right. Thanks for listening. We'll, we'll talk to you all soon. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really helps us out. Keeps the train rolling. 
And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five Either star. Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd Helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.